Thompson. On the show today, we are joined by the property podcast experts themselves, Andrew Nicholl and Ed McKnight, to discuss their latest book, Wealth Plan. Plus, we check in with Barfoot & Thompson's Teatitu manager, Tony Buckwell. Welcome to Property Matters. Kia ora and welcome to Property Matters, proudly brought to you by Barfoot and Thompson, who are celebrating 100 years this year. Thanks for tuning in, whether you're listening live on Planet FM on a Monday or you've downloaded one of our podcasts, it's great to have you here. Now remember, this is very much your show, so if you have a question you'd like answered or a topic you'd like us to discuss, or perhaps you've got a product or service that would benefit our listeners, email us at propertymatters at barfoot.co.nz and we will try and get you or that topic on air. Now this week I am absolutely delighted with our guests. It's an honour to have Andrew Nicholl and Ed McKnight and we're also catching up with Tony Buckwell later in the show. So it's a very full show. Let's rip into it. Well, I am absolutely honoured to welcome our next guests to Property Matters. In fact, given that they do the Property Academy podcast, I feel a little bit like a fraud bringing them onto the show. I think <laughs> they should be hosting the whole show and I just put my feet up and relax. But anyway. We can take um, it from here. Yeah, yeah, I'll go. I'll make the coffee. <laughs> um, a big welcome to Andrew Nicholl and Ed McKnight. And we're here to chat about their latest book, Wealth Plan. Welcome to the show, guys. Thank you very much. Stephen, great to be here. It's wonderful to have you here. Now, let's before we talk about the book, I'm sure our listeners know all about you, but let's unpack your journeys, two very different journeys. Um, Andrew, take us back in time. When did it all begin for you, this passion for property and investment? Well, I was I worked for uh, the BNZ Bank back 20 years ago, uh, straight out of high school, and um, thoroughly enjoyed the concept of money and, and any way I could possibly make it. And I was working with a lot of investors and realized that, wow, these investors, they got lots of property, they got lots of wealth, but they just earn pretty ordinary incomes. They go to work and they earn their, what might be the equivalent of $80,000 a year today. And they got three rental properties, four rental properties. And I thought I need to be a part of this. And so I started investing myself. And what I realized is it's quite hard to get a bunch of information out there and, and pave the way. And uh, uh, about 10 years after that, I think I started Opus Partners and, and here we are today. That was literally in a nutshell. Fantastic. <laughs> All right, Ed, what about your journey? So mine's a wee bit different to Andrew. So Andrew's built up a serious portfolio of over 30 properties over the years. It has pretty much tried every different property investment strategy out there. Mine's a wee bit more humble. I would have been oh, early to mid-20s, and I turned up to a property investment seminar run by... Some fast-talking, well-dressed guy standing at the front of the room called Andrew Nickel, <laughs> And that's where I first really started to get into property. Now, in terms of my background, I'm an economist. I went to university, studied economics, big into data, big into number crunching. But when I started learning more about property, that's where I thought you can apply some of these concepts that we've been learning about at university and put them into practice. And so I don't own as many properties as Andrew yet. When most people say, how many do you own? I say, not enough. Hopefully another two by next year. Uh, but I'm on the way. And that's the, that's the key thing that we try and get across to everybody. 
And I think the really cool thing about what we're trying to do here at Opus Partners is take all of the information that is locked in people's heads, like Andrews and like a, a lot of the people that you'd be talking to as mm. well, Stephen, and put that information out there into the public so that Kiwis, regular people can take this information and build their wealth. Mm, absolutely. At, at what point did you two talk together and decide let's work in partnership together? Well, uh, Ed was working for a, a, a firm that one of my friends owned. Uh, they were building some software for me. Ed was taken by my haircut. And that's <laughs> 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 true. He, he took a photo of me into his hairdresser and said, I want that one. Um, when the guy realized he, he was talking about the haircut, he did his haircut for him. Um, and so Ed and, I, uh, 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 Ed and I were working quite closely on this project together. Um, Ed, Ed decided he wanted a change in career. Um, and... Uh, he ended up starting alongside me four years ago. Yeah, almost four years almost ago three, now. Four years ago. And um, yeah, it's been great. That's so cool. And now the book. I mean, you're, you're well known for your podcast, your property advice, all of that sort of thing. But now you've created Wealth Plan. What made you sit down and write that one together? Andrew always <laughs> wanted his name on a book. If I'm really <laughs> honest. <laughs> We've but we'd been talking about it right from the very start. Andrew wanted a book, but I think that it never really happened at that stage because it wasn't the right time. But we realised that we, when we decided to write it, we'd pro we were probably about seven hundred podcast episodes deep, and. I'm sitting here, I think we've just released 1,250 because our podcast is every single day, 15, 10 to 15 minutes every day. And what we realized was we've put out all of this information, but because it's just single episodes, it's not organized in a way that takes you from start to finish, showing you right. what our philosophy of property is. And so this book is take is informed by all of the podcast episodes, all of the webinars, all of the articles we've written, but it puts it in a structured way from start to finish. So you could be 20 years old and pick up this book and say, cool, I'm in what we call the starting blocks. These are the actions I need to take if I'm going to buy my first home and then build an investment property. Or you could be 65 pick up this book and say, I'm at the crossing the finish line stage. How am I going to use the money that I have in order to be able to set me up for retirement? And so it takes you, it's all about how you use property over your lifetime in order to be able to set yourself up and build a passive income. And so that's what the book's trying to do. Set out all of our ideas in a logical way that you can learn start to finish. And one of our philosophies is to give uh, uh, investors all the information they could ever require and in any means possible for them. So um, one of the big questions is, do we release this as an audio book? And releasing it as an audio book is quite a big task because mm. you've got to sit down there and read it from cover to cover. So Ed has decided he is going to sacrifice his weeks and he's going to do this over the next coming months and he's going to sit in the studio for, I don't know, 12 hours a week and read that book uh, out and then I'll, I'll come in and do my parts. Um, because, and, and I said to him at the weekend, well, what's made you decide? Because we decided we weren't going to do that. And he said, I just want to make sure that everyone's got access to this, whether or not you like to read on Kindle, whether mm. or not you li listen on Audible, whether or not you like the actual copy of the book and to make notes on it, whatever you want, we We'll give it to you. If you're stuck in Auckland traffic, then that's the perfect thing to get you I through know. an hour and a half drive. 
Um, I wish our audience could see the two of you and in your interactions. It's fantastic to watch. <laughs> it's a shame. It's a shame. It's a radio show. Um, I love your book and I love the journey that you take. And I think your chapters are very cleverly named and it, it literally takes us, as you say, right through from start to retirement. It feels like a book that anybody in the property investment space can pick up, whether it's your first time or your 10th time. Is yeah. that a goal? That's the case. That, that was the key idea behind it. One thing that's a bit different about this book for than other very well uh, property investment books that other New Zealand authors have written is that this is not a book about Andrew Nicholl and Ed McKnight. This isn't about how we have invested in yeah. property, though there are case studies, there are stories in there, but this is a how-to guide. And throughout the book, we always said, what is it that we want people to do after reading it? And so every chapter, it is very actionable. What should I, as a property investor, do after reading this? It's not just to be entertaining, though I hope parts of it certainly are. It's what should I do? And that's something that I think differentiates it from some other books that are out there. Mm, absolutely. We're living in a stage at the moment, and the media is playing a part in this as well, where, you know, it's a bit doom and gloom in the property market space after what's been a couple of real boom years. Where do you two sit in, in that field at the moment? Should people still be looking to invest? Do they need to be smarter or more clever or, or do things a little differently in, in this slightly tougher time? I think that you do have to be more considered if you're buying in a in a time like this where interest rates are higher. You've got to consider what the cash flow is going to look like. Can I sustain the contributions towards this rental property for the next three years while rates are higher so that I can get the glory days in 10 years time, for example? But our philosophy is always about long-term holds. So whether or not you buy a property and just rent it out because it's a new build investment and you can sit on it or buy an older property and you renovate it, get the cash flow up, Whichever strategy is right for you, it's always still about the same thing. Hold on to it for as long as possible because you only get to sell a property once and you want to have as much growth as possible and you can only do that really with time. And so um, I don't think it matters when you buy, it matters when you sell. Uh, and and so a big part of uh, the book is talking about how you manage contributions, uh, how you manage interest rate rises, where, how to spot a good uh, market to buy because there are always – Positive and positives and negatives of any market. And there's also uh, different parts of New Zealand that we'd recommend over other parts of New Zealand at any time. And is that a key thing for a first home buyer, thinking about where in New Zealand you purchase? Like it doesn't have to be the city you're living in. It certainly doesn't have to be the city you're living in, but it can, it can help. So there are often two ways you can go about it. One way that a lot of first home buyers purchase is they might decide I'm going to buy this property here and I'm going to live in it for six months and then I'm going to turn it into an investment property. And the benefit of doing that and becoming what we call a rent investor is that you're able to access things like your KiwiSaver. Uh, depending on how long you live in it, you can access some of the first home grants as well. And that can help you get started if deposit is the thing that is holding you back. And for a lot of Kiwis in places like Wellington and Auckland, where house prices mm -hmm. are higher, Tauranga as well, that's where you might need to access things like your KiwiSaver so you're able to purchase. But then the trouble is, if you're a first-time buyer, you might think, okay, I can afford something that's there. I can only afford something that's very cheap. So I've got to purchase further outside of the city. So you might say, well, I'm I'm willing 
to purchase an hour away from where my job is or where I really want to live. And I'm going to commute and I'm going to do that just for six months so I can get my KiwiSaver out and so I can make that purchase. That's one of the trade-offs we see people making it. Now, if you are able to temporarily move cities so you're able to purchase, because the trouble, of course, is if you purchase mm. an investment property, you often require a higher uh, a higher deposit than you would need if you're a first home buyer. You can still get away with a 10% deposit in some instances as a first home buyer. But we've seen places, uh, we've seen some investors. I saw one who moved, he and his wife moved from Auckland down to Dunedin, and they did that just for a year to purchase their first right. home get their KiwiSaver out. Then they moved back up to Auckland and said, cool, we're going to keep that as a rental. They eventually used the wealth, their equity within that property to then purchase the home that they wanted to live in in Auckland. So that's how you can kind of climb the property ladder, trying to say, what are some other ways I am able to get started in property? And if you are a first home buyer that isn't able to move cities, there are other strategies like uh, around paying down your debt or um, adding value to your property so you can build that equity and then you can buy a rental property purely as a rental property as well. Yeah, that kind of segues nicely into what I was going to say. If, if you're both sitting in somebody's lounge room having a wine on a Friday night and they're just starting the journey of thinking about buying their first property, what are some of the tips that you would give them right from that outset? And one of being, of course, get rid of that debt. I think that one of the biggest things that um, I think uh, first home buyers often struggle with is being realistic about what they should be spending. Uh, I've got plenty of uh, friends that are based in Auckland, similar ages to me, and they set their expectations on that $2 million house for property number one. <laughs> Ridiculous. Yeah. Buy yeah. something for 800000 make yeah. it work. You can buy you can buy a two-bedroom unit for 700000 brand new. Go for something basic. Let this be your first home, not your forever home. I think the key thing we talk about in the book is if you're in the starting blocks, you're right at the start, before you purchase that first home, if you're really serious, you've got to decide what is my strategy going to be to buy my first investment property. Because once you purchase that first home, you have two options to build enough equity, to build enough wealth within that property so you can then go buy your first investment. The first is to pay down the mortgage aggressively, what we call in the book, attack that mortgage. The second way is to renovate the property, increasing its value so there's more equity in there that you can use as the deposit for your first investment. But the thing is, the strategy you use, whether you pay down the mortgage or renovate, that is going to influence the property you purchase first. We recommend if you're going to pay down the mortgage aggressively, buy a new build property. If you're going to be uh, renovating a property, then you've got to buy an existing property that needs a bit of love. And we go through all of the reasons why that's the case. But before you purchase your first one, if you're serious about building a portfolio, you decide, how am I going to buy my second one? Because that's going to influence what you decide to buy. And is there an ideal golden timeline of when you should get that second one, ideally, soon, after your first? As soon as the bank will give you the money, buy. Um, so we do quite a bit of modelling around this as well, because that's the question everybody asks. Often we see about six years is what it would take a standard person, if you purchase your first home and you're paying it off over 30 years and your house is going up a bit, about six years. Of course, it depends on circumstances, but that's what I often see. But if you are really serious, we've seen investors do it within two years. So say I purchased my first home, two years, 
getting into an investment. And actually, I was just before we came on the show uh, talking to one of my investors that I want to use for a case study for our next webinar. And they are early investors. They've just bought their first investment property. They bought their own house with a pretty uh, uh, modest um, deposit, but have been paying down the mortgage aggressively only a year ago. And they've already gone unconditional on their first investment property. Brilliant. And they've used strategies that we talk about in the book, like earn baby earn, where they get their income up, they put that money into their mortgage. So they pay that down uh, and, and then they're buying new so that they can use lower deposits. So they're, be, they're applying all those systems because they're podcast listeners uh, before the book even came out. It's amazing the number of people who tell me, Stephen, that they've got to got a pay rise because we bang on about it so much. If you can't afford a house from an income perspective because the bank's not going to give you the money, employers are out there crying out for good staff. And mm. I always think about if I give my staff a pay rise, it's a very cheap recruitment fee yeah. because if you lose them, you're going to have to pay a lot of money, both potentially to a recruiter, but then also in terms of not having a staff member for a while, having to train somebody back up, they're not going to be very productive for the first couple of months. We're all about asking for pay rises if you feel like you truly deserve one. Absolutely. And Kiwis, we love to help people. So be honest with your employer and say you're trying to get on the property ladder and that's really important to you and your family. And you'll be amazed how many will, you know, pitch in in that case. Um, is if you've been a lifelong renter to date, is it ever too late to start investing? No. I, so I, I only bought my first home at the tender age of 36 a couple of years ago. Uh, and, and it was only because I was bullied into it by my partner. Uh, I, I wanted nothing less than to own my own home. I just wanted to own rental properties. And so I've been doing it for a long time. Um, I've worked with investors who are, um, who are uh, rent investors. Um, they are uh, 60 and uh, have two, three rental properties. So I think they're working on their third one now. Um, I, I think that anything's possible. Age shouldn't be a barrier unless you make it one. Um, there are lenders that will be more forgiving when it comes to if you're working into a later part of life. Um, if you've got the motivation, any age, uh, you can achieve something. It does become more difficult to get a mortgage from the bank. Once you get to those, those later years and your uh, the the runway of how long you can work for starts to, to get a bit tight. So for example, if you were 60 years old and you're a laborer and you've been a laborer for 30 years, oh, that's pretty hard yakker on your body. So it's probably not likely you can keep doing that to 75. So in that mm, instance, mm. it's all about, is the bank going to give you the money? But if you're 60 and you're a lawyer, and you're quite happy to sit at your desk until you're 75, hey, you might be able to get a mortgage. It's all about presenting the exit strategy to the bank, though. We've had guests on here before talk about, you know, using a second tier lender for some of those different or abnormal sort of situations, at least for a year or two, and then proving yourself to the bank. Where do you sit in that space? So our uh, uh, um, finance company, finance mortgage broking company, uh, Catalyst Financial, uh, use non-bank lenders a lot more than the average broker would. So I think that um, average mortgage broker might be sort of 2% of the market, might represent 2% of the market. We might be closer to 20, 30% uh, because we deal with a lot of outside of the box clients. So people that are self-employed, but maybe don't have full financials, uh, people who are later in life, but want to grow their portfolio or large investors who are just caught up with the triple 
simple CFA changes that make it harder to get lending or they want interest only for 20 years. So I think that um, it's it's horses for courses. You want, you don't want to use them if you don't have to use them because they are going to cost you a bit more money. Hmm. But if it allows you to achieve what you want to achieve, i.e. grow your portfolio, hone your properties for longer, then absolutely they've got their place. Brilliant. Now let's talk now about your partnership and your company and some of the other things you do when you're not busy writing books and creating podcasts. Um, property coaching being a big one I've spotted, but tell us a little bit about what you can offer people out in New Zealand. So Opus Partners is really about giving good quality financial advice around a property. You see, I see a lot of people go out there and they'll just buy a property as an investment. Oh, Martha, down the road, there's something, there's a property for sale. Our property's done quite well up the road. So let's let's buy that. That happens all of the time. Oh, I've seen that unit for sale. I keep driving past it. Maybe that'd be a good rental. But often those properties will not be good rentals. And even if it was a good rental, you're already exposed to the suburb property market that you're in or the city's property market that you're in. You're about to purchase another million dollars worth of assets on the same street. Oh, that sounds quite risky to me. And so it's about saying, how can you use property to achieve your financial goals? And so we've got a team of financial advisors who sit down this week. I think they're sitting down with about 40 different couples for their wow. first meetings where they're putting together financial plans about what when you stop working, how are you going to live your life? Do you want to continue your current lifestyle? What do you want life to be like when you stop working? And no, I didn't say retirement because uh, often when people think about retirement, they think 65, but there are a lot of Kiwis out there that want to stop working at 50. That might want to stop working at 55 or one partner wants to retire at 65. The other person's maybe 55. They want to stop working at the same time as well. So it's about saying, what do you want out of life and how much money are you going to need and how can we get you there? And so we've built our own software. It's called My Wealth Plan. And we've actually released a public version now. Uh, you'll be able to find that on our website. All about trying to help people understand how much money are you going to need to live and achieve your life goals? And then how can we help you get there through property? That's the book. That's the business. That's the property coaching program. And that's what we're all about. Brilliant. And on top of that, trying to do over a thousand podcasts. How do you keep that momentum going on a daily basis? Well, coffee. Yeah, okay, yeah, coffee. Uh, a few arguments every now and then. Sometimes some wine on Sunday to talk about uh, different topics. The good thing is um, the market um, changes so regularly that there's always something to talk about, and there's always a new situation. Because I'm um, I'm frontline dealing with investors day in day out. There's always something that's happened during the week that's interesting, um, or it might come from our property management team, or a question might come from the finance team, or something might happen in the accounting team. There's always something or people are uh, emailing in uh, questions for, for the magazines, either Informed Investor or New Zealand Property Investor, which are proudly our magazines. So there's always a lot of topics. Every now and then, Ed will have a bit of a meltdown on a Saturday and he'll text me, <laughs> we've covered it all. We've done all the topics. There's no more topics. Talk and about the on, weather. On Sunday, Sunday night, Sunday night, I'll get seven podcast sheets in my inbox to read for the next day. Yeah, so so every podcast is uh, very well prepared. It usually takes about an hour to prepare for a 15-minute podcast. And the reason is, back in the good old days when we were episode 20, we, were, we could just wing it because we were yeah. just talking about things and we didn't have to go into much detail because it was right at the start. 
But now that we've done 1,250, we can't say the same thing that we said back in episode 30 about, I can't believe it, we did an episode on whether floating mortgages are more expensive or not, and of course they are, but that was a question somebody asked. Yeah. So there's a lot of research and detail that um, goes into it. But Andrew is right, we often get people coming up to us on the street with podcast topics. I was in a bar the other day, wonderful bar called Chihuahua in Christchurch, vibing away at 1am on a Saturday morning. <laughs> And a girl approaches me, and I know what you're thinking, Stephen. Oh, she was clearly asking for Ed's number because he's got a nice haircut that he stole off Andrew Nicole. <laughs> you thought she didn't think it was me? No, no, no. Oh, same haircut. No, she says, Ed, I like the podcast. I want you to talk about how we can handle rising interest rates. What should we do? So I pulled out my phone at 1am and I wrote it in there and I made a few spelling mistakes because we're, <laughs> we're a couple of gin and tonics deep at that point. And... <laughs> We've now recorded that episode. That'll go out uh, this coming Monday. And it must be, I must get a question every two days on Instagram or, or or email to me. And again, we sort through those and think, yeah, no, we've covered that and direct people to our archive because we've got every single episode available on our website. And then uh, the ones that we haven't done or we haven't done in a while, we do it again. But what that shows me is that Kiwis want to learn. Mm. They want to figure out how can I use property to achieve what I want to? How can I build my wealth through it? Kiwis do want to learn and get better at investing and grow their wealth and be better with money. And that just, the the evidence I have for that is the number of people who message in asking about their situation or what they want to learn more about. And the great thing about that is, look, we are, uh, the vast majority of people won't have enough money to fund the lifestyle they want when they do stop working. Uh, and that's just the reality. That's the maths of it. And unless you know that there's an issue, you can't deal with the issue. So we want to put out information so people people can at home so they don't feel you know concerned about or embarrassed about telling people their numbers they can punch their details into my wealth plan the public version they can find out if they've got a wealth gap and if they do well then they can choose to do something about it absolutely oh look i could talk to you all day it's a pleasure chatting to you uh, my final question is a little bit left field from property um i can tell you just have this unique business partnership but also incredible friendship that you can just eyeball each other and know what the other person's thinking. Um, how do you two sort of look after each other, I guess, in this busy space and keep your own business growing to be so successful that it is? <laughs> well, we do. We spend, we spend a lot of time together. We spend, we spend more time together than we do with our respective partners, I think. I know, and, and uh, that can go uh, one of two ways. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Not the way he'd like it to. <laughs> Uh, no, we have a lot of fun. I mean, we there's a lot of there, there'll be some so days days often Tuesdays when we've got a webinar and we've had podcasts the day before. I know not to approach Ed. It's kind of like a marriage. I know not to approach Ed at his desk because he'll tell me to bugger off. Um, but maybe not as politely as that. Um, other new staff members make the mistake of going to him, and I just watch. I watch him look over and go, Fraser, I'm busy. <laughs> I think just we've been we've been to we've been together for so long now that you kind of we just we have a lot of fun together and and we're we're fully invested in helping Kiwis um get get ahead together. And when you're on a passion when you when you're passionate about what you're trying to achieve, it makes it makes it fun. I think the other thing that keeps us, I was about to say sane, but I'm not sure whether that's, <laughs> that's the right adjective, but uh, we're, we're good at different things. And I think yeah. we can kind of very much respect what the other person is good at. Mm. Um, Andrew's not going to sit down and do all of the research no. in order to pull together the podcast sheets, but that's fine. That's what I do. 
Uh, similarly, I'm, I don't want to sit in front of clients or investors every single day, not because, uh, not because I don't want to, but because I want to do the research. So then feed through to Andrew so he can use that with investors to help them grow their portfolios. And so they're different skill sets that work together really well. And then at the end of the day, which is Valentine's Day today, we, we, we go out to a, a, a Zabu for dinner together on Valentine's Day, <laughs> uh, much to the dismay of my partner. And, uh, and we drink. <laughs> Brilliant. Well, look, Andrew and Ed, it's been an absolute privilege to chat to you today. I love your energy. I love your passion. And I love that you're successful business people, but also have Kiwis at heart in everything that you do. Um, obviously, Wealth Plan is available now where all good books are sold and from your website. How can people get in touch with you if they want to follow your podcast or your own websites? You can find the Property Academy podcast and all your favorite podcast listing apps. Just Google it or wherever you're listening to this as well, you'll be able to find it. And our website is opuspartners.co.nz. We publish a mammoth amount of content, three articles a, a week. We do, we've got a newsletter that goes out called Private Property. We do our property live webinars. Of course, the podcast, we produce two magazines, Informed Investor and New Zealand Property Investor. And I've probably forgotten some things as well. There's oh, our, our YouTube <laughs> channel. Um, you know, there's whichever way you want to learn about property and money, we want to be there to help you. So you can probably find us wherever you go looking, just search for Opus Partners. Fantastic. And we'll pop all that up on our socials. Have a fantastic rest of your day. And thanks so much for joining us on Property Matters. Thanks, Thank Stephen. You. Bye now. Now, I'm delighted to be joined by Tony Buckwell, who is the relatively new branch manager out at Barfin Thompson's Teatitu branch in West Auckland. Welcome to the show, Tony. Hi, Stephen. Pleasure to be here. Great to have you here. Now, I say you're new as a branch manager, but you're no stranger to real estate. When did it all start for you? Uh, so I moved into real estate very early in 2014 after 24 years as a professional firefighter and I decided it was time to do something completely different. So from 2014 through till September last year, I was in a sales role with our West Harbour and Hobsonville branches. Brilliant. Firefighting to real estate. That is definitely a change. And now as branch manager, perhaps some of those firefighting techniques could come in handy. Yeah, <laughs> we say that jokingly, but it is so true. It's part of the role is putting out fires while they're only little spot fires before they get big. You're always <laughs> looking out for the for the welfare of everybody around you, including your vendors and your, your landlords and your tenants to make sure that small problems stay small and they're resolved before, you know, they sort of blow up into something bigger. Yeah, absolutely. Now, look, we've talked a bit on today's show about, you know, the market. It's It's been a challenging time. And we'll continue to be for a little bit after such a boom time. How are you mm. looking after your team in Teatitu, you know, while it is a little bit harder than normal? Oh, look, you know, that is definitely um, one of the key um, sort of skill sets, I think, of a moder of a manager in today's environment. You know, all of our sales team are perhaps, you know, finding things a little bit more challenging than they have in years gone by. For me, it's a matter of just keeping in very regular touch with each, with each of them on an individual basis. And literally as much as sometimes checking in just one-on-one -on -one and saying, hey, how are you getting on? Is there anything I can do to help you? Are there any problems, anything, you know, that, that perhaps my experience might help them resolve? Um, so I, certainly I look at all of them as people, not just as workers and making sure that they're, um, 
you know, that they're as well supported as they can be professionally. There's nothing that any of us can do about the wider market and things like government policy or reserve bank policy or global inflation. As much as we'd love to wave a magic wand on that, that's not possible. So I just concentrate on influencing the things that I can and the areas that I can help. Excellent. Now, now, one thing you do have is a very busy property management team. So you're busy looking after people's investments. Um, for yeah. those listening, now we have listenership all over New Zealand and actually all over the world. Hello to everyone listening in America. We seem to be picking up a lot of people over there. If people are looking at purchasing an investment property, why do you think Teatitu is a good area to invest in? Um, a couple of reasons um, jump out at me immediately. One is the proximity of uh, Te Aratu Peninsula. It's a great community, very vibrant community, but also has exceptional access to our CBD area um, via just a short motorway trip over the northwestern motorway over the, the causeway. So it's sort of like the first suburb once you once you get out of those inner those very pricey inner um inner CBD sort of fringe suburbs where that that next um, row sort of um outside of the of this from the CBD if you looked at it sort of in a cyclical sort of a pattern so great proximity great lifestyle and from an investor's perspective, we have a lot of new built stock there. We've certainly one of the areas that's really responded to the unitary plan in a big way. And I know that for investors, you know, there are still under the current government, some real um, advantages to buying new build properties in terms of the tax deductibility. So that's a big advantage. And we do have a lot of very popular uh, sort of new built terraced sort of two, three, four bedroom homes in the area. So they, they do prove to be attractive to investors. Yeah, absolutely. And that follows on beautifully from our earlier guests advising um, investors to purchase in this new build area. Um, talk to me about your property management team. What's sort of their role in taking that stress off for an investor or a landlord? And why do you think it's so important to have your property professionally managed? Oh well, look, it's it's such a big investment. It's such a big asset, you know, for our for our landlord owners. Um, it would be crazy to leave them unattended and sort of unsupervised, if you like, for any period of time. So, you know, the, I think the key driver of my property management team is to they realise what an important investment it is that they are charged with um, looking out for and looking after. So just having knowing that you're going to have regular scheduled inspections, you're going to get your inspection reports done on time, um, that any uh, water rates arrears or rents arrears are going to be got onto immediately and managed professionally. There's just multiple reasons why I think it's a wise decision to put your investment properties under a professional property management. And, you know, I've got a fantastic team at Te Aratu and I think they do a great job of that. And, you know, that's the feedback we get from our owners as well. Absolutely. And I guess, you know, recent weather events in Auckland sort of bring home the need to have that person that's managing everything for the tenant, for the insurance as well. Is your team being busy after, you know, earlier floods and cyclones? Oh, absolutely, Stephen. They have gone above and beyond. I can't speak highly enough about the amount of extra work over and above the normal property management roles that they're doing at the moment. And it's at times like these that if I, if I was an owner, one of our uh, landlord um, clients, I'd be... I would feel so appreciative of knowing you've got that professional support. So our property managers sitting in the middle of our owners group, our tenants, um, insurance assessors, uh, contractors, and really trying to help everybody get through these weather events 
um, in the quickest possible time and and managed in a professional way. To have taken all that on as a private um, owner, private landlord, I think would have been incredibly stressful on top of all of the things that people are dealing with in their own personal world at the moment, at least knowing that they can hand off a lot of that responsibility to their property manager at Barford and Thompson must be a great relief at the moment, I would say. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Look, I'm nearly out of time and we will get you back for a longer interview next time. But um, what's the hopes and dreams for you as a branch manager going forward for your branch? Oh, we heck, we could do a whole hour on that alone, Stephen. But honestly, it's to um to grow a really happy and productive team there. I've got a real growth uh, mindset for the Tiaratu branch. So the property management side, perhaps specifically, um, really working at growing that um, that portfolio of properties we're managing there, probably growing the team with that. So I've got a mindset of uh, expanding my, my, my management team there over the next year or so, um, and just supporting everyone professionally so they feel like they're getting really good um, professional development within their own professional worlds as well. Awesome answer, Tony. Well done. Well, thanks for popping in briefly to Property Matters. If you'd like to find out more about Barfoot and Thompson Teatitu, head to barfoot.co.nz forward slash Teatitu. Thank you, Tony. And thank you to Andrew and Ed, our guests on today's show. Remember, you can listen to past episodes on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Samsung Podcasts, or iHeartRadio. And we're back every Monday at 4.15 on Planet FM 104.6. Thanks to everyone at Barfoot and Thompson for sponsoring the show and to Adam, our editor. Have a fabulous week and we'll catch you again next week. 